Well, it's springtime, everybody. Do you have any favorite spring things? What are some of your favorite spring things? So I was thinking about this. I love daffodils and crocuses. I love the daffodils in spring. Obviously, I love the bird songs in the morning and the evening. That I love about spring. I love the greening of the grass and the greening of the year. I love the warmth of springtime and be able to get out. What are your, some of your favorite spring things? The other night I stepped out and Lois called me out into the yard and she said, look, and the deer had come up out of the north field into the north. We call it the north meadow. It's the north acre of our property. And they'd boldly come right up there into the grass. It's almost like they were enjoying spring. And later that night, as it got dark, you could hear the chorus of spring peepers. And so I'm calling this message peepers and other spring things. Well, welcome to my study. Um, this is not going to be a sermon. This is not going to be a devotional. This is going to be a message. This is a message for the Bethel people, for the Bethel church, from my heart to yours. If you're not a Bethel person, feel free to listen in. But it's especially from my heart to yours during these really difficult times. Now, there's a bit of a series, if you will. I preached last week on the roof, the first message. And they're based on the three things that I see are troubling our people, uh, the Bethel people. Uh, during this time, you know, obviously one of them would be a fear of disease and death. And we talked about that last week, being prepared to die because Jesus didn't promise that we would live forever. And he, and he, and he said, take up your cross daily uh, to follow me. And so the real answer to that fear of death and disease is to be prepared to die, to lay down our lives. And, uh, and so, um, we talked about that last week and you can watch that if you find that video. But then this week, we're going to talk about another problem that, that's major problem for, for really for all of us, uh, for some more than others. And that is, what about, uh, what about poverty? What about death? What about disease? What about poverty? What about financial need? What about the resources that we need? What if we've lost our job? What if, what if we, our, our, our sales are going to plummet? What if our stock market's not going to recover? Uh, what about, there's some serious problems. That's what we're going to talk about this week. And Lord willing, next week, uh, I'll, I'll welcome you back to my study again. And then we'll talk next week about what about anxiety? What about fear? There's a major anxiety that's just sweeping around the world and across the nation with, uh, with this uh, situation that we're in. Now, I want to share from my heart to yours some very practical very specific, very key, helpful things out of the Bible about what to do when you fear poverty, what to do when you're worried a little bit about, or a lot, about where your money is going to come from, where your food and clothes are going to come from, where your basic needs are going to come from. So that's what we want to talk about today, just to encourage you about this. What, is the, what does the Bible have to say about that? And a couple of key passages that we're going to look at today are the, the, the Matthew 6, a passage from uh, the Sermon on the Mount, from the lips of our Savior, the Lord Jesus himself. And then a key passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verses 6 and following. This past week, as we have just, the last couple of weeks, as we've heard of people losing their jobs in huge, unprecedented, historic numbers. 
it did remind me of a period of time in our lives when we were when we were severely underemployed. We may talk about that a little bit later. But in one particular time, when I lost my job, and it was unexpected, and it was it was it was an almost instant. Uh, it was very 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 short notice. There was obviously some misunderstandings, some disappointment, and a lot of uh, just a crushing experience. And I remember that when I lost my job, I remember that I couldn't eat and, and, and I couldn't, and couldn't sleep. And I would get up in the night sometimes. I would go in by the fire and I would open up my Bible and I would read the promises of God. What has God promised us during times when we lose our job or when our finances take a major hit or people are depending on us? And during that time, I uh, some of you probably know the story. I got in, in my old red Jeep. As a matter of fact, there's the story. I wrote it right there in that book called Finding Bittersweet. Uh, and you can read that. I hope you do. It's an amazing story, though, of what happened when we completely had our finances or resources taken away from us. And we had no income. And we had no insurance. And God provided through the the generous kind gifts of friends. Some are listening to this uh, message, I'm sure. Provided through about 20 of those people and then through small honorariums of churches and camps that I preached at through that whole spring and summer and fall. But we saw God provide. And we saw God provide through others who had, there's a time when others have more and others have less. And God's designed the family move together and help one another. But we want to talk, uh, I want to share with you four different things to keep in mind, to help you when this threat of poverty hangs over your head from the scripture. Uh, and, and this is from, obviously, from uh, Matthew and chapter uh, 6 and verse 25. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What will you eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on? Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or your body, what you will put on. So, so the first thing is you can kind of it's, it's um, implied, and it's actually taught by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and that is number one: be content with having your basic needs met. And we all have extras, and we have lots of things, and we've gotten used to having lots of things. But during a time like this, it might be especially important to remember that Jesus said, when you have your basic needs of food and clothing, learn to be content with your basic needs met. And Jesus was a homeless man, and he, he would visit other people's homes. He stayed in the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and others. He depended on gifts from widows, the, the Bible says. He slept out under the open sky sometimes. He said the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But he lived his life he had food, he had drink, he had clothing, he had all that he needed, he impacted the world. And he calls us to follow him. And so we want to remember during times when our income is threatened and when uh, we're concerned about that, which is a legitimate concern, he said, I want you to be content with your basic, having your basic needs met. And so the second thing would be this. And Jesus said it in the next verses. He said, um, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles, this is a placeholder for people who are godless. Godless pagans seek after those things. But you have a heavenly father. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. And so, first of all, in a time like this, first of all, remember that be content with your basic needs and be thankful for your basic needs and be grateful for your basic needs. Then secondly, take a walk, get out in nature, listen to the bird songs. Look how beautiful the birds are. It's a perfect time of the year for that. And then Jesus said, consider the lilies, look at the flowers. The other night out on Bittersweet Farm, on Wednesday, it was a sunny day. The sun came out, and it warmed up into the, 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 the low 60s. It might have been 60 degrees. So it's just wonderful. And I saw that Lois went out, and she was looking down into her flower beds, and I went out and stood with her. And we looked down, and the daffodils and the crocuses, the flags, she said, are irises are starting to come up. Some of those are gifts from, from you all, from people at Bethel. And this little hobby of ours uh, to tend to those flowers and to, and to see the beauty of those flowers and watch them grow. And along the margin of that, where the rocks are, was a little wildflower. I forgot the name of it. Lois can tell you this. Snow bells or something like that. Uh, little dainty, beautiful white flowers that come up year after year voluntarily. And they grace our lives with beauty. Jesus says, stop. I know you're worried. I know you may have lost your job or you may your sales may go down your your income may go down you may we may be going into a season of of, of lack of, of poverty it's happened before but go outside smell the fresh air listen to the bird songs and consider the lilies this is such a beautiful thing he said solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these look how beautiful they are and so that would be a second thing to remember and an important thing to remember. There's something else that, that, I, that I think you might think about. Though Jesus didn't speak specifically about these. He talked about birds. He talked about flowers. I won't talk about peepers. Go out in the night and I want you to listen for the peepers. Now, here's a, a book by uh, David Klein, an Amish farmer. I love this book. It's called The Round of a Country Year, a Farmer's Day Book. There's an Amish farmer named David Klein who lives in Ohio, and he writes about things that happen on his farm. My brother Nathan, he said, add Amish to anything, and it sounds better. If you're going to make banana bread, call it Amish banana bread, and, and, it's, and it tastes better. And I decided from now on, when I have hot dogs, I'm going to call them Amish hot dogs. This is an Amish farmer, and he said this. He had this little local saying. He said, the local saying is that the peepers will be frosted to silence three times before spring is here to stay. The peepers will be frosted to silence three times 
before spring is here to stay. So listen to the peepers. And when they're frosted to silence three times, then you know it's time for spring. But there's something more. I looked this up and studied this a little bit. Some of you are, you, you know a lot more about this than I do. But where do the peepers, where, where, do they, where do they come from? Where do they go in the wintertime? Here's what I didn't know. The peepers live through the winter and they burrow under leaves. And, and when the temperature drops well below freezing, they actually freeze. And God has created them with like a little antifreeze in their system that allows their organs to be preserved when they stop. And then when springtime comes and the miracle nobody really understands, those little frogs come to life and sing. Can I just say to you, I know that you are heartbroken about maybe loved ones who have lost their jobs or you've lost your job or your or the, the thing that you depended on for your income. It's not what you thought. I know there's insecurity in that, but consider the peepers. Go outside some night this week and listen to the peepers make their beautiful songs spring after spring after spring. They'll do that. So now let's review. First, remember this. Um, be content with having your basic needs met. Second, go consider the birds and the flowers and the peepers. Third, seek the kingdom first. When you get down to the end of this section, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And when we have a physical threat to our health, when we have a threat to our income, when we have burdens, it has a way of helping us prioritize our lives. There's something I want to share with you. This is very much from my heart. And, and I often think of this, and I, I've been a pastor for four decades, and I've watched people go through things, and I've gone through things myself. And there are really kind of two kinds of people when trouble comes. I've mentioned it before. Let me remind you. There are people who, when trouble comes, they turn away from God, and they go away from God. Or they curse God, or they ignore God. Then there are people who, when trouble comes, they turn to God. Can I suggest, by, by all means, be the kind of people who, when trouble comes, turn to God. Let's all turn to God during this time. Let's turn to God and let's confess our sin and let's seek his face and let's, let's um, live lives that are pleasing to God. As he says, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, and you won't need to worry about having your basic needs supplied. I will supply your basic needs, which brings me to the fourth thing. And again, to review, be content with your basic needs. Consider the birds, the flowers, and the peepers. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then this fourth thing, and this is key, and I don't want to be here for, for a minute, and that is don't hoard, but be generous and give and share. It's very important that we share what we have during these times. It's very important that we don't, uh, we're not selfish and that we don't hoard. And, and the scripture says that the believers are, are channels of conduits of God's love. There's an old hymn that we used to sing in the church when I was growing up. And it, it was, uh, it, it's called channels only. And here's how it goes. How I praise thee, precious Savior, that thy love laid hold of me. Thou saved and cleansed and filled me 
that I might thy channel be. Do you remember this? Channels only, blessed master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou can use us every day and every hour. Jesus, fill me with your spirit, hearts that full surrender know that the streams of living water from our inner man may flow. That's the idea. We aren't stagnant pools that gather things and keep them, hoard them. Believers, Jesus followers, our, our, our channels, our pipelines, we are springs of life and giving and vitality and generosity. And so think of ways that you can share. Think of ways that you can give instead of being a stagnant pool. Uh, learn to be a giver and be generous. Listen to what the scriptures say here in this gorgeous passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And later he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift, Jesus. What's he saying? When we're engaged in God's work in the world, his kingdom and his righteousness, he will supply whatever we need. If we want to give, if we want to share, if he's called us to do that, he'll give us what we need. So all of us have something that we've been gifted with. All of us have something that we can share. We can do what God wants us to do. We can give what God wants us to give. We can share what God wants us to share. And, and we can we can pray, we can love, we can encourage, we can uh, we can write to people, we can deliver food, we can give blood, we can. F f there are going to be ways for us to to serve. And instead of being focused on what we don't have or what we might lose, instead of thinking about poverty, think about giving and sharing. You know what you have, looking for needs with other people. This is the this is the Jesus way. And so, so let me go over that again. And remember this. Be content with your basic needs. Consider the birds and the flowers. Take a walk. Consider the birds and the flowers and the peepers. Spend some time doing that. Then seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Be participating in what God's doing. Uh, and, and he'll supply what you need. And then don't hoard, but, but give and sow and share. It's a fascinating time. Um, I heard this story this week about a church that got together and they were in a meeting. It was a few weeks ago. They were in a meeting and they were praying because they didn't have enough food. They had people that were needy and needed food, but the church didn't have the wherewithal to give this large amount of food that they would need. There was just no way they, they could afford this food. And this was a church in Hawaii. Um, and so, maybe, as a matter of fact, maybe I'll uh, connect the story here so you can read it uh, as you after you watch this online. But there's this church in Hawaii, and the, and the leaders were praying uh, for finances. And what they didn't know was that it was the 75th anniversary of uh, the of uh, the the um, uh, uh, it was a, na a naval maybe the surrender in Pearl Harbor. 
I'm sorry, this, the, the, of the, of the, battle, the battleship Missouri where the Japanese surrendered in World War II or something to that effect. Anyway, they were planning this um, grand gala, this ball on this aircraft carrier, I believe from Missouri. And they had all kinds of food prepared for that. And then there was this, uh, this uh, virus scare. And so now the, the leaders on the aircraft carrier needed to find places to give this food away. They called that church and literally gave them all the food that they could use. God had a unique way of answering the prayer of a little church that didn't have the food to give. What is it, I wonder, that God will do with your family, with you, with me, even though we're in a time when we're threatened with poverty or when we're threatened with lack? I mean, the context of most of the New Testament that we love so much is written, if you read it real carefully, you can see in the book of Acts and so forth and the Corinthian letters that, that much is said about the dysphoria or the dispersion or the difficulty that came upon people that plunged them into poverty and then the gospel spread because of that and then people were, were helping one another and sharing with one another, uh, selling property, doing what they could. People that didn't have shared with those who did have. And this wasn't like a forced kind of thing. It was a voluntary, joyful thing that was led of the Holy Spirit. So this is one of the things, ironically, one of the things that we tend to do when we're afraid because we don't, we lose our job because we don't have money is to hoard. And the, and it's, that's counterintuitive. But the, the thing that Lord wants us to do is to be generous and to give. And who knows the kinds of things that will be happening in our world during these times, opportunities. There's a there's a warm humanity that flows out of people that were created in the image of God. Um, the other day, I was watching a, a little video of the shift change in the Atlanta hospital, and there were r residences all around the, uh, the hospital. And now every night when the shift changes, people come out on their balconies, and they just shout and cheer and make all kinds of noise and, and celebrate. We don't have sports right now in America. We don't even have, right now, we don't have education as we're used to it in America. But there when the shift changes and when the medical workers go out to the cars, the people in the, in the apartments every night go out on their balconies and they just cheer and they shout. There's just a warm, there's a, there's a wave of warm humanity that's following this cold wave of disease. And in that wave of humanity ought to be spirit-filled people, Christians who are motivated by Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit and looking for ways to serve and looking for ways to give. So we can't have a mindset of poverty, but we have, a, have to have a mindset of, of generosity. And, and God will supply whatever we need to do whatever needs to be done. Here in my study, I have a clock. It rings on the hour. Uh, sitting right there up over my uh, over a bookshelf and it chimes the Westminster chimes it's a beautiful clock and I've had it for years and years uh, and it has a little inscription on the back from Psalm 90 may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands and I was given that clock when I left Knox County where Lois and I started a, a little church and we really lived on the edge of poverty 
uh, the whole time that we were there, just having our basic needs met and really living week to week. And not even for, for most of that time, we couldn't even afford a hospitalization insurance. And here, this growing family. So uh, four of our eight children were born in Knox County while we served there for 10 years. And we started a little church and the Lord provided a little Grange Hall for us to meet in. And couples began to gather. People got saved and baptized and followed the Lord. Still today, there's a testimony in that county of people who came to know the Lord during that time. But the whole time, we really did kind of live day to day. I remember many times uh, when I would be out and and I would have just enough uh, that I could stop by the store. I knew just the ingredients that I would need to buy in order to bring home what we needed to make a real simple meal that would that would feed the family. And God would provide what I would need. And I would go to the store and I would buy what we needed and I would go home and we'd have a nice meal and, you know, it was during that time, I just know that all of our sons and daughters, all four sons and all four of our daughters are Jesus followers. And I would give the Lord all the credit for that. One of the ways that he did that, I believe, was that he allowed us to live in a season of poverty during that time and, and, and a season of, of lack. And we and our children prayed for baseball shoes and prayed for clothing and prayed for food and prayed prayed for rent, and God would supply over and over again. And they saw that, God supplying us a place to live. Uh, God supplying us a home in the country. God supplying, the, like I said, the baseball shoes or, or the groceries. And I could tell stories uh, all afternoon of how God did that. God was building the faith of our children during that time of hardship. And so he was doing something beautiful. Something really beautiful was growing. Something really good was happening. And so something terrible is sweeping across the world right now. And it's bad. And yet when bad things happen, look around. God is always doing something good. And he's using his people to do something good. And if I were you, I would just say, gather my family. When we're done, you could turn this off. Gather around a little coffee table and kneel and say, God, we're yours. We're Jesus followers. We want to seek the kingdom of God first. We want to turn our worries into prayer. We want to be generous and not hoard. We want to trust you. We want to be content with having our basic needs met. And we want to take some walks outside. Consider the birds and the flowers and the peepers. We love you. And we're praying for you. And whatever needs that you have, please let us know how we can help. There are others in the church that are, might be in a position where they could help you. Maybe you are in a position where you need help, or maybe you're in a position where you can help. If you go to our website right now, you can see there are two buttons on our website. One of the buttons says, I can help. How can I help? And the other one says, I need help. And you know, probably everybody in the church should be in one of those two categories. God challenge you right now. Instead of worrying about poverty, trust the Lord. Consider the birds, the flowers, and the peepers. Turn your worries into prayers. Be generous and go to the website and decide which of those buttons you need to push. Hey, I need help right now. Or hey, I want to be a help right now. And maybe you don't need to push a button. Maybe the Holy Spirit will just flood your heart right now with some specific way that you can help somebody. And I trust that you do that. Next week, and when I come to you in the, in the, from my study here, and I share next week's message. What I intend to do is to talk to you a, a bit more here, not about death or disease or poverty like I did this week, but about anxiety and about fear. What about anxiety 
And what about fear? That's what I'll share next week. God bless you. I love you.